Hi there, I'm Dennis and this is Sheev Valley, a show about Sheffield startups, where I talk with Sheffield's exciting founders, investors and startup ecosystem stakeholders with the goal to increase the ecosystem's connectedness, to give platform to the entrepreneurs in the steel city and raise awareness about the businesses they built. And actually today I will ask something from you as my listeners. Show this podcast to a peer, a friend, a relative or someone you think might be interested in hearing more from Sheffield's founders. I really want to popularize Shiv Valley amongst future founders in Sheffield because I want them to see and hear from examples for successful entrepreneurs in all industries, deep tech, events tech, ad tech, deliveries or tech for good. And this is why today I have Steve from Tickets for Good. Tickets for Good is a mission-driven startup very close to the category of social enterprises, but not exactly that, as Steve helped me to clarify the definitions and differences between social enterprises and tech for good. Listen to hear more about his startup, what is Bethno Green Ventures and what is the difference in building a tech for good startups in Sheffield and London. Shivali is supported by Sheffield Technology Parks, an integral part of our ecosystem, supporting startups and scale-ups with office space, strategic advice and many other things. For more information visit their page, link is in the description. And also stay until the end to hear a very important announcement I have to make regarding Shivali's website. And now enjoy the show. I'm here with Steve from Tickets for Good. Hi Steve, how is your Saturday going? Hello, very well, thank you. All good. I'm here at the Abbeydale Picture House. As I said, we're running a little bit late, so we had a delivery for the food bank, which is based here. But I'm well, I'm very good. Thank you very much. Good. So I want to start with the first question which is basically for you to tell us what, what did you do prior to Ticket for Good? Yeah, so I've, I've been in the events industry since I was at university in Sheffield. I'm from Sheffield and I studied, studied here as well. I actually studied hospitality and business management at both college and, and university, and that was my sort of trade hospitality. But then I found events while I was at university and, and started my own events company. Uh, and I've always kind of I've done events and been in the events industry from, from there. But I also, at the same time, set up a social enterprise, which is now a charity called CADS, Creative Arts Development Space. And that was mainly what I've been doing ever since. The events company started out as a company called Endless Promotions, doing events, all sorts of different events, everything from art events through to sort of dance music stuff. And that was really a great experience over a number of years coming out of university. Then in one of the CADS buildings, which was down in Shales Moor near Callum Island, we set up a venue called DLS, which then became the Night Kitchen. And that was our first kind of music venue that we were running, which was a really great experience as well. And then that kind of evolved into a charitable night that we called Party for the People, which was raising funds for local charities. And that evolved into its own ticketing platform which became Party for the People, which is still running now, partyforthepeople.org, as a, as, a, as a ticketing platform that is focused on dance music events and building in charity donations into the booking fees and at the checkouts. And that was actually what eventually evolved into, helped us evolve into Tickets for Good when we originally started Tickets for Good a few, uh, around three three years, nearly four years ago as a ticketing agency with charity donations built in before moving on to our, our latest kind of model around the ticket bank and, and the ticket donations, which is our focus right now. So loads of hospitality, loads of events and a lot of social enterprise. That kind of showed me why everything led to Tickets for Good. But now tell us a little more about Tickets for Good. When did it happen? How did it happen? And what did you try to achieve with it? Yeah, so uh, Tickets for Good in its first kind of iteration 
started out as a ticketing agency. So think Eventbrite with charity donations built into the process. So it was an event ticketing platform. We would sell tickets online for, for event organizers, but inside of the booking fee, there's an automatic donation. So a percentage of the booking fee was ring fenced as a donation. So every time you buy without doing anything different, you're already donating to a local charity. And that was the model. And there was also charity donations built into the checkout. Now, that we launched in February 2017 and had some reasonable success and things have been ticking along ever since. But it was really when I came up with this idea around turning the, 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 the ticket itself into a donation. And, and that's where the ticket bank was born. And around 18 months or so later, we created the ticket bank as a, as a program, as an organization to take tickets that were spare or unsold for events and redistribute them through a network of charity partners. And then more recently, in 2019, created the Ticket, ticket Bank platform as a, as a marketplace for verified users to access the tickets online as a digital platform. And that's what we're doing now to the present day. And we've actually kind of co-opted the, the Tickets for Good sort of brand and vision that, that really is the, the sort of the lead for what we do now as a, as a ticket donation organization. We still do ticketing in the, in the background, but that's very much a kind of a separate operation run by our foundation, the Tickets for Good Foundation. And our ticket bank company is our, our tech for good operator, which leads with the Tickets for Good name and, and branding from here. When I visited your LinkedIn profile, I saw that Tickets for Good is part of Bethnal Green Ventures. So I've been aware of Bethnal Green Ventures before and seeing your startup being part of that just showed me that it's a very promising company, very promising idea. Tell our listeners more about Betno Green Ventures and why is it important to be part of it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Bethnal Green Ventures is the is is they they build themselves as and as as Europe's leading tech for good fund and accelerator. And really they are sort of the the, the sort of the, the leading leaders in, in in the market for supporting tech for good early stage companies. And we were really excited to have been selected uh, to join them in, in 2019. And that's when we set up our ticket bank company to take on board investment from them because we really believe that kind of delivering a sort of social enterprise, but with a, a for-profit with purpose model is really the best way to scale the, 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 what we're doing as fast as possible. And at the end of the day, to create as much impact as, as, much impact as we can, which is the aim of the company and the aim of the game in general to create as many life-changing experiences for people in need. So from our perspective, giving tickets out to people who wouldn't otherwise be able to attend the events. Now, why Bethnal Green is, Ventures is so important is it's really the leader in the space in terms of what it does. And they, in obviously being selected to be part of the cohort in autumn 2019, was a really big piece of validation for us, especially as a, a kind of a northern company being based in South Yorkshire, Sheffield, in particular, because the majority of companies on the cohort, I think we were the only one that was outside of London, pretty much, as I recall. So it was kind of quite a big thing for us to be able to show that you can do, you can kind of build tech for good startup companies with the potential to scale outside of London. Obviously, we went down to London for the program, which is because it's based there. But in, in itself, that's a benefit because you really get to, to meet more people in, who are working in this space. And why I also think uh, it's important is they know exactly the process to really build from literally the, the sort of the ground up. As I said, we, we formed the company to, as we joined Bethnal Green Ventures. They were our first check into the company. And then from there, they showed us the sort of the way to actually really think about the service design and, and how this can be a sort of a, a large sort of 
social purpose business, but really thinking about the commercial models as well as the social impact and how do we scale this to be a really meaningful company and, and raise investment to do that. Yes, I agree with your point that you being the only, the only startup outside of London uh, is, I think that's a huge accomplishment because when I was still in university and as part of Sheffield Hallam University, I was regularly in the ILAP and so many businesses are, so, so many solo entrepreneurs are based in the ILAP and many of them are working on social enterprises, especially many students are working on social enterprises. And none of them kind of had that example of a very successful social enterprise based in Sheffield. So that's why I think that you know, Tickets for Good should get a lot more platform uh, to, to be known around Sheffield and to show that if you have the good idea and if you have the right model, you can definitely make it with all those London-based startups. But when talking about startups and social enterprise, it's kind of weird that there is a separate category for businesses with a good cause, because in a sense, all businesses are solving a problem, but we all know that not all businesses are focused on doing something with a good cause. So why do you think is there a separate category for startups and then for startups that are social enterprises and are doing something with a good cause? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think where it comes from is uh, social enterprise was a reasonably new uh, concept in the sort of last 10, 10 or 10, 15 years, really. It was only when I was just getting started out that social enterprise was coming sort of to the, as, as a concept was coming out. So that was around sort of 10, 12 years ago. And it's actually changed. It's, there was in its definition, really, and so it became quite a sort of a specific nonprofit company. But actually, it's kind of evolved quite significantly to this interesting space where you can have um, a sort of a company limited by shares, but with a kind of social mission lock in place. And that, that can now be categorized as a social enterprise by SEUK, which is the, the kind of body of social enterprises. And I think in terms of your question, in terms of a separate category for the, the, the element, really social enterprise started out in the nonprofit space. So it was not for profits. Um, social enterprise meant really a nonprofit company as opposed to a charity, which is different, different reasons, kind of horses for courses, as it were. Charities are quite specific. They have to stick to their objects and really focus on what they do. Whereas social enterprises are more set up as a company. And as I said, it, it started out that it would traditionally be a, a limited by guarantee company with a full asset lock, three directors. Or then it emerged into a sort of a CIC, a community interest company being another vehicle. Whereas now it's a bit more open in terms of what, what is a social enterprise, how is it classed? And as I said, the, the, the definition is that it must be a sort of potential, it can be a company limited by shares with, I believe, 51% of profits must be reinvested in, um, in, in seeking the social aims. But the definition is up on the uh, Social Enterprise UK website. Now, what I find more interesting is that there's a new kind of category of kind of for-profit with purpose businesses in that. But in particular, uh, the B Corporation um, network is something that I've been a big fan of for a number of years. So it's bcorporation.uk. And essentially what it is, it's, it's a network of for good kind of companies, company working in the for good space, not necessarily called for good, but they sign up to a level of of social and environmental goals uh, that they have to certify. And we're actually pending uh, as, a, as a B Corporation. Again, I believe we're first in Sheffield and perhaps South Yorkshire as well for this, this, this mark. But it's, it's really interesting as a category. Now, it's, as I said, where I'd say that social enterprise came out of it, it's very much a nonprofit space, but because 
everything's a bit more open now. There is kind of this for profit, for profit with purpose kind of company format, which I think is kind of more open to kind of scaling and being able to do things in a for profit way, but really making sure that you've built in your social objects from day one. Yeah, so you basically have to be focused on both the mission and the profit. But when it comes to putting a priority on one or the other, could you say that you could actually make mission or profit the bigger priority? And if yes, which is the bigger priority for Tickets for Good? Yeah, well, I think it depends on the type of company. It's If you're a non-profit organization without shareholders, the focus obviously is is to, to, to exist and make sure that you're sort of trading, you have reserves and it's a really good um, growing company. And maybe with more of a, a focus on, on sort of growth, but not in terms of it's not for profit, as the name suggests, whereas a for profit with com- for profit limited by shares company, the focus is on on sort of growing and making a profit. Now, it's in, it's difficult to define the sort of the right answer. I don't think there is a right answer to the question in terms of uh, mission versus profit. It's all down to kind of personal choice, I think. From uh, the perspective of growing a big business, and our, from our perspective, tickets for good, we're trying to grow, and the Ticket Bank Limited, we're trying to grow as big a business as possible, and as part of that, have as much impact as possible. And, and our mission is, is overrides that whole thing. So everything we do is in 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 seek of our our mission, which is about creating life changing experiences for people in need to improve mental health and support people in particular around who are socially isolated or in financial difficulty. So that's really our focus. But what we need to do is be able to help as many people as possible. So to do that, we need to grow the company and then we need to make it a successful business as well, which involves turning a profit. So I think it's, it's for us, it's very much a balance. We're looking at both, but our focus is doing as, growing as big as possible, which involves a focus on profit, but also keeping the mission really at the forefront of everything that we do. But really, that's why we've built it into our name, Tickets for Good, and our brand and our vision. And it's, it's, it's at every step of what we do, but we're a for-profit with purpose company. And so we've got that mixture, but we're a for-profit. And you already outlined the social enterprises history, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, it's boom. And it's obviously getting more and more popular as a concept and more and more uh, people who are entrepreneurially focused, they, they want to focus on a company that has, that has a mission and it's mission driven. Can you tell us why do you think social enterprise is becoming so important and what are some of the current trends that you're finding in the space? Yeah, well, I think that social enterprise is becoming uh, so important because it's now recognized in this kind of, it's in this more kind of general term. As I mentioned before, the, the actual categorization of what is a social enterprise by SEUK, uh, Social Enterprise UK, the, the members body of social enterprise has changed and evolved over time. And so I think that that's really opened up a lot more organizations to do that. But really, I think people are really understanding that social and environmental goals are a really big part part of what should be relevant in companies that are kind of the the leading companies as much as possible. And that's where I think the B Corporation, uh, the B Corp uh, movement across the world is so important because you've now got recognized by big companies like Innocent Drinks, for instance, as, a, as a, just a name that comes to mind. But there's a huge wave of hundreds of companies now that have signed up in, to the B Corp movement. And they're really sort of putting that forward, putting that forward as part of their, their offer and really showing that it moves all the way through to things like hiring, 
So, and also in terms of consumer preferences, they're looking, I, as I, the data shows that really people are looking for more kind of socially responsible brands and companies uh, to buy from, to work from, to, to work with. So I think it's becoming more and more important on a commercial basis, but equally social environmental goals are extremely important with this growing kind of divide in, in society that doesn't seem to be getting any better and, and also things in on the environment climate change in particular is a real sort of pressing social issue so building those elements in and being recognizable for, for sort of having those in your in, in, in the things that you're doing I think is something that's now become more kind of mainstream as opposed to more of a, a specific sort of kind of voluntary community sector element it's really just become part of the, the business mainstream and I think that's down to yeah as I said consumer staff and, and sort of and business preferences what it's like building a social enterprise in Sheffield and also I'd like you to tell us a little more about your actual experience when you went to London for the Bethnal Green Ventures and when you met with all those London founders and with uh, with the things that they're doing could you just give us a little more about that as well well in terms of Sheffield So there's definitely an evolving social enterprise movement. You've got a great organization, Sheffield Social Enterprise Network, which does a lot of work for, for the space. And I think there's always been a really strong kind of social enterprise movement. Uh, you've got some fantastic social enterprises. Opus Independence that runs now then is, abs- is a really great example of, of, of an organization doing fantastic work as, as a social enterprise. And, and many, many others. I think where things could continue to evolve is kind of moving from being sort of the viewpoint of social enterprises is is in the charity voluntary community sector as much as maybe it is now and really sort of bringing it into the sort of more mainstream as sort of as, as companies that are just doing company things and that are companies rather than people looking at kind of uh, social enterprises in a different way it's just a company that also has social goals so i think there's some way to go For the, from that perspective but I, I just think there's a lot of activity in Sheffield a lot of support uh, a lot of people just getting on and doing social enterprise activity which is the main thing uh, so I think the more that that can be amplified the better but as I said there's great organizations such as Sheffield Social Enterprise Network that are doing really good things in that respect in terms of the Bethnal Green Ventures program so it's a 12-week program it's based in in out of their their sort of their space their incubation space in london which they're currently housed in Whitechapel, and that was a really good experience because it was twice a week uh, mondays and fridays you've got sessions across the gambit so everything from uh, service design through to fundraising and investment but also kind of meeting the other founders around there's around sort of 10 12 founders on the usually at the, at the courses and a number of companies working in different areas of kind of the, the the social impact space and so looking hearing about different um, people's plans and sort of what they're doing was very valuable but equally it was good as an opportunity to sort of share peer-to-peer exchange uh, skill sharing but also sort of hear similar challenges and just show that there's people in the same place and how can we sort of potentially collaborate or help each other uh, and expand the network now from Bethnal Green Ventures having that validation was definitely a really positive uh, thing for us as we went on to raise our next angel funding fundraising round so the angel investment round that was a really positive sign that a they'd already invested some money in us although it's a reasonably small amount it's there's still a, a lot of kind of benefit that you do have from that and the validation to bring us forward 
And then the second part is that they, they have a follow-on fund specifically for portfolio ventures that, that you can access. Once you've moved forward and, and, and created an element of match funding for existing investment, you can then apply to the follow-on fund, which we're in the process of doing and shortlisted for an upcoming process within that as part of our next um, funding round. We've just completed our angel funding round, and now we're moving on to a, a sort of a, the next step to extend that round, which will include the Bethnal Green Ventures portfolio follow-on fund as well. In terms of the, the additional benefits, it's part, you're part of an ongoing community in terms of support. So there's an opportunity to engage with the founders and also to take feedback on an ongoing basis from the team down there. But I'd definitely say that being part of uh, the sort of the network and being a portfolio uh, company of Bethnal Green Ventures has a huge amount of validation, both to show early stage investors, but then as you build out to sort of the next stage of investors, the more institutional investors as well, can see that you're part of that existing portfolio. And, and that's definitely a benefit because, as I said, it is the leading tech for good fund in, in, in Europe at the early stage. You already told us about your investment journey and uh, what you've raised until now and what you plan to raise. Do you think there is any significant difference between raising money for a social enterprise startup than a normal startup? Well, to be absolutely frank, I think it's slightly harder in some cases, but it possibly easier in others. But mainly the, the challenge is that you're, always, you're almost on the back foot uh, when it comes to sort of earlier stage investors, because the, the first question is, are you a company or are you a charity? And are you doing this for kind of to grow the company and, and get, get as a return on our investment? Obviously, investors investing into the company are looking to take a return on their investment. So you need to cross that bridge in terms of being able to show that the focus is on the company and, and growth and the return on investment is, is really clear, as well as the, the social impact that's, that's built into the process. Uh, and how is it? essentially just part of the process, not, not sort of the process. And, and actually, you do have a commercial model, which we do as a, as a marketplace uh, digital platform. So I'd say at the early stage, the angel stage, if you can find people that understand that, it makes it much easier because they're actually looking for kind of impact startups specifically, particularly, but for the general investment space, I think there's an immediate question about, is this a business or is it a charity project, which you have to get past? So there's a slight element of di additional difficulty there. Now, when you get further forward, um, there are a lot more specialist kind of funds that are really looking for com companies with impact. But again, I believe there's still sort of, there is a, you still have to have that really sort of commercial sort of viable business that can turn a turn, uh, profit and a growth as well as the impact frameworks uh, built into that, that process. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenging area, but it's, it's also exciting. And, and, it, and it's about, as always, just finding the right people who align with the mission and vision of, of the company in terms of creating social impact in a for-profit with purpose environment. And I'm coming back to the Bethnal Green Ventures, but I'm just very interested in this comparison between startups and social enterprises based in based in South Yorkshire and Sheffield in particular and London because I'm just interested to learn whether what do you think is there anything significant maybe apart from investment there's more money circulating in London for any type of ventures but apart from money what do you think the do London-based social enterprise startups have that currently social enterprises in Sheffield don't well, um, 
I think there's a, there's a there's a definition that we need to clear up to an extent. So, social enterprise as a term is is not exactly defined. However, it is defined by Social Enterprise UK. They they define it as a, as up up. Well, it can be a non-profit company, but it can be a limited company limited by shares that has a for-profit model, but that 51% or more uh, of the profits are reinvested in meeting the social aims. Now, that's quite a specific sort of requirement. Now, social impact businesses, of which we are, are kind of more just traditional for-profit with purpose companies. And that's probably the, the, what, a definition that we need to cover, social enterprise versus social impact businesses because there is, a defi- there is a definition out there from Social Enterprise UK. Now, this is why I, I actually prefer the B Corp model and the B Corporation framework and certification, because it's built for, in the most part, for-profit companies, but that sign up to social environmental goals and in a quite a, a defined and strict framework. As I said, we're now attending uh, B Corp uh, for our company and for tickets for good. And, and that's a big part of our kind of value proposition. In terms of where I see sort of the difference in terms of Sheffield and London, obviously there's a, a big, there's a size difference and, in, and obviously it's a more evolved kind of marketplace in terms of companies operating in London. Probably there's a couple of years ahead in terms of evolution because obviously there's, there's, London is the capital after all. But in terms of what I think the difference is it's hard to say immediately because there's some amazing work going on in Sheffield and you don't have as much of the, of the pressures of London in terms of some of the cost-based act, act, the cost bases that, that are in place, rent, for instance, sort of have both domestic and uh, sort of residential and commercial. Now, in terms of what I think could be in, in, improved for kind of companies in, in, in Sheffield is, is, is just this knowledge of the frameworks that you can find, which I found from having going spending the last sort of five plus years going down to London on a regular basis, joining networks such as the Impact Hub, which is a fantastic network of, co- of, of co-working spaces across the world, but started in, in London. We're a member of the Impact Hub in King's Cross, and I'd, I'd, I'd definitely advise people to check out the Impact Hub network. But there's also some really other great networks. We're part, we have a focus on digital health. So we're part of the Health Foundry, which is based at Guys in St. Thomas's Hospital. And they've given us a lot of support, especially through the Digital Health London program. And so there's a lot more support in London because of the size and the, and the evolution. I think there could be more support in Sheffield, in particular around early stage startups and high growth start- startups. And also in particular around kind of social impact businesses and tech for good. Now you're starting to see that a little bit with the recent partnership with Bethnal Green Ventures and North Invest, which is in Leeds. And so there's a collaboration there in terms of looking for more companies that are outside of, of London uh, as well, especially as now there's a remote offer because of the current circumstances. So I think there's a lot more opportunities open now than maybe they were just last year because of that remote and virtual access of course i think there could be more locally and that comes from support at a city level so what programs are being supported but i've just seen there's a fantastic new program launching that's based out of barnsley with capital enterprise for startups so that's really encouraging because that'll have a big impact on the local ecosystem but i think there could definitely be a lot more in Sheffield for, for startups and in particular a focus on tech for good because we've essentially 
had to build our own networks and 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 sort of learn our learn ourselves well myself mainly but by going down to london and, and engaging where it'd be great if there was things sort of on the doorstep and from my perspective really ha- want to sort of reach out publicly engage with people and help them in some way obviously i'm limited in time because i'm running both a, a sort of a, a startup full-time high growth and i sit uh, chair the board of cads trust that runs the Abigail pitch house and with other advisory kind of board that boards that i'm in, involved with so I'm keen to help and sort of tell my story of what we've done, our successes to date. But we've still got a long way to go. We're still an early stage startup to get the ticket bank company is still pre-revenue. We have done a lot of traction, but there's still a long way to go. So I think anything that we can engage with ourselves that comes out is going to be a benefit at the same time. But equally, I think it's creating that network of people interested in this area, startups, and also in particular tech for good that I'm keen to see and keen to engage and and support wherever possible. What's Ticket for Good's biggest accomplishment up to date? Tickets for Good's biggest accomplishment, I would say, is helping us to sort of really figure out our way towards creating the the model for the ticket bank. Once, Once I'd figured that out and created the ticket bank company, I feel that it really unlocked a huge area of the market that is maybe sort of unsupported. So, helping venues and my background of being in events for the last 10 years and running venues running helping to sort of run a venue now with the Abdel pitch house although it's closed of course for now for the time being due to covid but figuring out how there's this huge amount of spare tickets that's, that, that that go unsold 41 percent of tickets went unsold for uk theaters the year before covid 40 percent of of tickets go unsold and unused globally so it's a huge problem and what 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 I think our achievement is, is figuring out a way to kind of work with the complex logistical distribution systems, both on the ticket supply side and on the charitable side, to be able to take those tickets and then redistribute them to through a pre-verified network of charitable partners. And now we do that through, we've got close to a thousand charitable partners uh, that we have already signed up to our ticket bank program. And we've also more recently expanded into social prescribing because we did an evaluation on the the impact of people going to the events pre-COVID and found that there was a direct correlation between people attending events, especially people in need in difficult circumstances and improving their mental health and well-being. And so we took that and expanded into social prescribing. But more recently, we went online, so created a virtual ticket bank while events are, are, are not happening. And then we were really wanted to, to, to support staff members. So we, we, our first area of work was to really expand last summer into supporting NHS workers with access to what we do virtually and, and, and eventually to, to tickets to, to in-person events themselves. So we created the Giving Back campaign to support NHS workers and eventually healthcare workers more generally at the, at the front line and charity workers. So I think our accomplishment has been creating that ecosystem of partners and the platform itself, a marketplace system that distributes the, the tickets. More recently, and this is really sort of big news from our perspective, is we're working really closely with Spectrix, who work with over uh, 50% of the UK's theatres performing arts centres and we're going to be launching uh, in the coming days uh, a really important integration with them that's going to automate a lot of our process so 
It's not released yet. We're going out next week. Obviously, this is being filmed on the, on the Saturday. So next week, there'll be a big announcement about Ospetrics integration. But it's really a, a, a big thing for us. We're really excited to be able to launch that and very happy about the, the partnership with Spectrics because it will essentially give us much more opportunity to get much more tickets to much more people in need across the UK and beyond. Well, that sounds really great. And so because I can see you on the camera on our call, I can tell our listeners that you seem so excited. And uh, it's really nice to see how involved you are in you in Tickets for Good and how it's obvious why you're doing it. And just great to see when you're doing a startup, which is mission-driven, and you're actually very, very involved in the mission. So really congrats on that. I'm sure that uh, 2021 is going to be very exciting for Tickets for Good. I would like to move on to the five questions that I ask all of my guests and the podcast and i'll start with a book recommendation so tell us one book that you think every entrepreneur or future founder needs to read yeah well i was lucky enough to be provided with the reading list from bethnal green ventures when we joined and one of this one of the books that i found most interesting and useful was the the lean startup by eric Ries. now that's quite a sort of a classic but i do think thought the principles in that about starting lean and really just sort of Putting, putting your sort of your idea and your process out there as fast as possible is, 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 is really just a great kind of principle. So the Lean Startup would be kind of my top recommendation. But there's so many amazing books that are out there. And I would say I, I prefer to sort of uh, listen on the go to Audible. So that's probably where I consume most of my content. But my biggest sort of, it's not a book, it's more of a podcast. But this week in startups, I was made aware of when we took part in the uh, the Telefonica Waiver program a number of years ago. And that was in 2017. And I've listened to that uh, that podcast with Jason Calacanis every week since then. And it's one of the best resources that I've come across for the startups and really gives a lot of kind of great kind of information, but also sort of real motivation for doing what we do. So I definitely recommend that. It's not directly a book, but he, he also wrote his own book uh, called Angel, uh, which is about angel investors. But it really helps to think from a founder perspective, from the perspective of the investor. And so I would absolutely recommend that as well. The book Angel by Jason Calacanis. Thank you. By the way, you're giving me a really good idea. I should start asking for a recommendation for a podcast as well, as podcast is one of the things that I consider can really help someone learn as much as a book, very easily consumable. And very widespread. And by the way, Lean Startup, I think, is a book that's, I mean, obviously, it's kind of a startup Bible. So everyone that wants to build a that wants to build a business has read it or needs to read it. And this is, I think, the third or fourth time now I get it as a recommendation from people on the podcast. So Eric Reese should be aware that he has a huge fan base in Sheffield. So the second question is about the name, Tickets for Good. It's kind of obvious, but still, could you tell us why exactly Tickets for Good? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you said, it's it's quite specific in that we're using tickets for good. So it's kind of really just a, a sort of a, a sort of a representation of what we're all about, and just tells the story of immediately about what we're doing using tickets for good. But really, what it means is the for good element, which I think is becoming more popular. You've got a number of organisations using the for good moniker, which I think is great. And it's just what it means is about doing good for the world. So how can you help people by what you're doing? And how does that build into what, to what you do? What Tickets for Good means is using tickets to give people who would other, otherwise not be able to access events the chance to go. Uh, and in, in particular, we focus on how can it help to improve their lives 
and ideally create life-changing experiences um, for those people who are most in need. The real focus is around kind of reducing social inequality, social isolation, social exclusion, but also in particular helping to improve mental health, making people feel happier and healthier. So that's really unpacking tickets for good and what, what it means in practice. But it's, it's essentially taking tickets and using them for good in the literal sense. And we created our ticket bank platform and the ticket bank company to fulfill fill that goal and, and that vision. You were born in Sheffield. There was one place that everyone, either born in Sheffield or came to live in the city, needs to visit. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, of course, quite biased. Being the founder of CADS, Creative Arts Development Space, CADS Trust, we uh, operate as CADS is something that I've, I've set up and I've always essentially been a volunteer. I set it up side by side with my events company over 10 years ago. And it now runs the Abbeydale Picture House. And it's a long-term project, a 25-year program of, of, of sort of activity and works. We just took it on just over three years ago. And obviously, it's not open at the moment just due to COVID, but it's such a fantastic building. So I'd say visit the, the website, theabbeydalepicturehouse.com. Have a look at the pictures of the building. And of course, when it opens again, hopefully sort of spring, early summertime, come and visit the building because it's about bringing people in. And it's one of those buildings that being from Sheffield, I always knew it was there, but it was just never seemed open or doing things. And the guys at Pitch House Social have done a fantastic job down there in terms of what they do in the, the basement bar. It's really great what they've done and it's really put it on the map. But CADS is obviously now active in working in the auditorium, the, sort of the, the main piece of the Abbeydale Pitch House. And I just uh, advise people to come and have a look and come inside and see that it is it's such an amazing building, a part of Sheffield's heritage built in 1920, just had its 100 years, years birthday just celebrated obviously in lockdown but we're kicking off a year of celebration the roaring 20 series as we come out of covid now obviously that's my biased answer in general i would just say try and just walk around as many different places in in, in sheffield as possible because there's some really amazing hidden gems but of course the peak district is absolutely fantastic such a great place and you can just start by start in Encliffe park which is at hunter's bar top of Exel road and just walk up through the parks all the way up to the peak district so i think that would be my top tip just walk through there and, and all the way up up to the norfolk arms and and further if, if you can nice one and just fyi for for our listeners i will put the link to uh to the Ab- abideo abideo could you repeat the link please sorry yeah it's the abideo picture house Picture House. Yes, there will be a link in the description. So anyone that wants to visit the website, just go to the description of the podcast. Now, Steve, if you had 15 minutes with your 20-year-old self, what would you tell him? Well, it's a difficult one. I, I noticed that on your show notes, and I thought that was a really good question. Uh, it's difficult to say because I think that it's easy to say I would give some advice and sort of say this, do this, do that. But I, I, I think that kind of your experiences make you what what you are. And I think, I'm not sure what I would say. I would just sort of let let things happen as, as they are. And I don't believe in sort of changing the sort of the out, outcome. Obviously, <laughs> it'd be useful to sort of, yeah, try and help to give general advice or avoid, avoid some of the sort of the, the, some of the areas that might be more difficult. But I think my only sort of, from a business perspective, it's just try and work with kind of older and more seasoned advisors wherever, wherever possible. Now that's easy to say. We couldn't do that early one because those advisors, they, they, they cost quite a lot of money usually. So unless you can find obviously people that are happy to sort of give their time for free or mentoring, which there is actually quite a lot of now, maybe less so when I started out, certainly when I was that age, it wasn't as accessible in terms of 
finding those 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 type of people unless you sort of apart from more expensive contractors so that would be my only thing just find people with that experience that can help you kind of navigate through through some of the, the areas and, and sort of fast forward but really it's about the learning it's kind of um, your experiences is what matters and sometimes you just have to go through it and you can't and it's about lived experience just to get to the, the same place so yeah difficult to say but i hope that helps and now my final question give me one sentence about your big hairy and audacious goal for tickets for good well our goal is to be able to work with all charitable organizations across the UK and, and beyond and, and get to a world where we can take all spare tickets and redistribute them through our network of charitable partners and really give as many people as possible the opportunity yes, events and also places that they might not otherwise have been able to access and meet new people and move forward with their lives and become happier and healthier. So that's really our, our, our sort of big sort of vision. Well, Steve, thanks so much for your time. It was great getting some insight into Tickets for Good and I can't wait to see how the company develops in 2021 and beyond. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the show. Links to everything mentioned in the pod is in the description as well. And now coming to the announcement I mentioned in my intro. I'm happy to reveal that Shiv Valley's website is now live. You can visit it on shivvalley.co.uk, link in the description. The two key things about the website are my community and for investors initiatives. Community is about creating sort of meetup groups that bridge the gap between tech and business functions in the city. And for investors is a project that I have to hopefully raise the bar when it comes to investments in startups based in Sheffield. More about that you can check on the website. Of course, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at atvalishiv, on LinkedIn at Denislav Ivanov, or my email denis.vi at outlook.com if you have any questions about anything related to the website. Subscribe to the podcast if you're listening on Spotify or follow my page on Twitter to never miss an episode and get some cool recommendations for books and resources. Once again, thanks to Chef Tech Parks for supporting the podcast. Thanks for Sheffield Digital and Twinkle High for being my social media buddies and always sharing my content. And finally, thanks to all of you, my listeners. Until next time. <laughs>